Hello once again to welcome to the FDT TV podcast where we talk everything football, lots of West Ham, lots of Arsenal, lots of negative VAR. Uh, but as always, I am Ian and I am joined by Mike. Um, let's crack on straight away, shall we? Shall we? Shall we get straight into things with a little bit of uh, goal of the week? Lovely. So, Mike, goal of the week. What are our contenders for this week? We've had some belters, but what have you narrowed it down to? Okay, so the Premier League is back. The less said about that, the better. I'd rather it still be in the international break. Um, but so we have some contenders for goal of the week this week. Um, I've got Callum Robinson for West Brom, his first goal and possibly his second goal. Um, both very good goals. West Brom did the number over Chelsea the other day. Granted, they were down to 10 men and possibly the, the international fixture list could be a bit demanding on a lot of players, as we've seen. There's been a few injuries. However, um, Gabriel Jesus or Jesus um, for Manchester City, I thought his goal was quality. That one was more of a team goal. And um, yeah, just I thought it was one of those. Wow. Um, Diego Jota. As much as it pains me to say it, his first goal, um, the cross from Trent Alexander-Arnold was absolutely amazing. And um, he's he, he's out-jumped our six-foot defenders um, and got it in the, into the goal, uh, into the net. Brilliant goal for me. And one for you. Um, we were deliberating. The, I, I will say my other one in an honourable mention um, Jesse Lingard, <coughs> West Ham United, obviously won yesterday. Very good win. Um, I know you said yesterday it was a, a bit of a squeaky bum time come towards the end of the second half. However, you got away with the victory. Um, some honourable mentions. Um, Joe Willock for Newcastle. Spurs were winning 2-1 at that particular time. Newcastle desperately needed to come up with a goal. Had a couple of chances as well, might add. Um, but it just wasn't seemed to fall for him. And then Joe Willock popped up with a vital goal to bring it to a draw. Mm-hmm. And my other honourable mention, Phil Jagielka. What a goal that was <laughs> on the stretch. Um, granted, it was hit to his own net. Uh, but to be honest, with that sort of finish, I'd be running down the pitch for the break. <laughs> Take the shirt off the old Argentinian <laughs> down the pitch. Yeah, uh, uh, another another important goal. Uh, Batshuayi for Crystal Palace. Come on, was on the field two minutes, put it in the net. So it leveled it out for them as well. Uh, but everyone did West Ham a favour apart from Arsenal this weekend. So, so I would say that we tried, but we didn't. No, you didn't. You didn't. See, it's, it's a difficult one because you played like you played in the first 30 minutes of the West Ham game against Liverpool. And then I don't think it had anything to do with you turning it on because we see in the Wolves game, we sort of did a, a blistering half hour and then went, ah, well, it's all said and done now. And then they, they took control of the rest of the game. So I don't think it was anything to do with Arsenal being good. I think it was to do with West Ham not wanting to play more than 30 minutes of football. But that leads us nicely on to a little segue that we like to call One Good, One Bad. Um, and being as you had the first kickoff, I will uh, pass kindly over to you, Mr. Hawes. Um, to give us your 
possibly one bad, maybe not one good. But we'll wait and uh, see. I'll wait eagerly in anticipation. The one, I'll start with the one good. Um, there's not a lot I can pick up for good. But Gabriel Martinelli, I think, would be my one good for the 12 plus minutes that he was on the pitch. I thought he was the game changer for us. Uh, I did again was was texting a very good friend of ours uh, during that particular match, and both of us venting our frustrations about how poor Arsenal had been throughout the entire game. As you mentioned for for the the West Ham Arsenal game. Um, I think for the for the thirty or the first thirty minutes that we played against you, we seemed to stretch out for the entire ninety minutes for this particular game. We sat back, we didn't press at all, couldn't string some passes together. We were just it just in general dog shit, and that's the worst performance I've seen from us in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. So frustrating. But for for me, when um, Gabriel Martinelli come on, he was pressing. Martin Erdegaard as well was another player who I thought was seemed to be wanting to to go on the higher press, but the rest of the team just didn't give a shit. We had some sloppy goals to give away. Um, just yeah, so Martinelli slash Erdegaard possibly my one good. Uh, Erdegaard actually would probably nick it just because he played the longer out of the two. Um, the one bad was just the overall performance, like I've just said. There's no no point in bleating on about it anymore. We were just fucking dreadful. Um, I never want to see a performance like that again from an Arsenal team. Uh, and if I do, then the players need to be sacked. The managers. Well, in fact, I'm not even going to blame Mikel Arteta um, because we've we've seen it in a, a couple of sessions for post match interviews where the players have come out and openly said that the boss is a genius. Um, it's just they haven't stuck to the game plan, and I find it very hard to believe that that was Mikel Arteta's game plan. And at the start of the second half, we did come out with a bit more intensity, but it was we were just fucking shit. <laughs> Excuse my language. I was so disappointed with that match, and I was still bit, still sore about it yesterday. I was still angry about it yesterday, but it is what it is. We move on. Do you? blame Arteta in a sense that he keeps putting the same players out so I know you had a yep. couple of key injuries out with uh, Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe out who were driving force but Aubameyang is like the laziest player this season if he's not scoring a goal he ain't interested in the game mm-hmm. yet he plays him week in and week out unless he turns up late you think is he is he sitting is he sitting in his office going I hope he turns up late I might go and let some of his tyres down so he does <laughs> I, I've got an excuse not to play him then, but it's it's not just him though. There's there's a few players that Nicholas Pepe. We started to see a bit of good form from him. He was dropped, and I think possibly a little bit too harsh. But when you've got a player like Saka who's been on form, you can't drop him for it. Um, so Pepe had to come in because of Saka's injury, but also Willian had just come back from injury as well. Um, that's possibly why he didn't come on, because, again, he's only just come back from injury. And I think possibly out of the two, based on recent form, I'd say Pepe slightly nicks it for me over the two. Right, okay. 
Uh, but Dan Danny Ceballos uh, was dreadful. I think we definitely missed Granit Xhaka, and there's a lot of people that I think would openly criticise Granit Xhaka. But I think for me, that performance showed how much of an influence he has in the midfield. He likes to get stuck into a tackle. Sometimes it can be slightly overzealous, does get away with some possible bookings and potential red cards. But I think him and Thomas Partey in the midfield do boss quite a lot of our games because they both got a pass on him. Thomas Partey, again, was another player I thought had a better game than the rest of the team. Um, but Rob Holden was atrocious. Um, Kieran Tierney got injured towards yeah. the end of the second half. Looks like he's going to be out for the next few weeks. Gabriel Magalhaes, since he's since he got injured, or no, sorry, since he had his COVID, um, he hasn't been the same player. But I think for him, that's possibly a confidence thing where he was riding on such a high where he came in and was the player of the month for the first three months that he was playing. Again, kind of sums up our performances at that particular point. However, um, he's just not been the same player mm -hmm. since he's come back. His, his passing's gone a bit wayward. He does does have some good games, or has had a few good games, but I think the the um, the, the negatives are definitely outweighing the positives from him. One player I I did put down in my preview, and I think I I said this that I think his his height and his um, his strength I think would have been more valuable to us at the time with Pablo Mari. Again, when he's been in the team, he's been absolutely outstanding. It was just, I don't, I don't know why he wasn't picked for that. David Louise is another player who was out for a couple of weeks because of a, a knee injury, um, just had some um, some surgery on it, some minor surgery. So he's going to be uh, back into rehab. I think it was only like keyhole stuff. But uh, so uh, Cedric Suarez had to come in for Kieran Tilly at left back. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just, it it almost was like, you know, when you turn up for uh, either a Sunday league or a five-a-side match and you've got some of those unregistered players yeah. and you don't know what they're like, but they're there just to fill up the numbers. Yeah. That's what that performance felt like for me. So, I mean, I know exactly what you're saying. It, it was, there was no heart in that whatsoever. So having put out on loan people who've come through the academy like your Joe Willocks and your Maitland-Niles, although, yes, okay, you may not be going their Champions League quality players. For being where you are, surely you want that in a team, a little bit of drive to go, this is a team I've been playing for, I've been working for the last 15 years to get into the first team, put me on the pitch. So you want that drive that you see from these young players, that you've seen from Saka, you've seen from Emil Smith-Rowe, surely having a bit more of that around the team would... Uh, do some good well to, just to bring it back to one of one particular player we were talking about in the podcast last week that uh balligan uh yeah i think it's florian balligan or whatever his name is um but he's another player who's, who's proven himself in the the under 23 scoring goals um he's not getting a shot at the the first team i think one of the things that could be hampering hampering him slightly is Alex Lacazette's form recently, where he's been scoring goals again, was went through a run of good games, got dropped, and Abamian come in up top. I think just to try and get him back into to scoring ways. However, it, once he's been brought back into the team, 
um, has looked quite good. Um, so I think because him and Balogun are quite similar players and they're, they're quite stocky, um, got a lot of strength, have got quite a powerful shot on them, that's possibly why he's being left out of the team. But for me, I know he is our captain um, and I know he signed on a mega money deal, as we were discussing a couple of weeks ago. I'd fucking drop him. If it's, Bamiang, he's got to be dropped. I think he should be dropped just for the haircut. Oh just on pri- on principle, like without, without and it doesn't matter if he, if he was scoring fifty goals a game, just on the on the basis of that haircut, you're not being in the first team. What is that? I I I could forgive the haircut had he been banging the goals in. He's doing it for his country. Why isn't he doing it for us? That's question one. Question two. That's because could Gabon have been playing people like Chetsnyau and and things like that? I've got six players and one of them's got only one leg. <laughs> okay. But, <laughs> but my my second point is, I thought that was a joke. When I saw the Instagram pictures um, and the videos come up, I was like, oh, okay, he's doing it for a bit of a laugh. But when I saw him walk out onto that pitch, I texted Dan and I was like, what are these with that hair? I thought it was a joke. Here's, here's the other issue, right? We've, we're still in COVID regulations. Yes, things have started to ease slightly, but hairdressers are still closed. Where's he got his hair done? Uh, if he did get it done whilst he was out on international duty, I suppose you could naughty, say naughty. Was... Still well, naughty. I, I agree. Either that or his missus or his kids done it. Oh, I'd blame on the kids as well. But... <laughs> <laughs> right. In terms of West Ham, which is a little, little bit more positive... I will say is the one good is we we started on fire again, same as we did in in the uh, Arsenal game. The first thirty minutes we were phenomenal, uh, being playing wolves off the pitch. Just everything we did turned to gold. Um, some fantastic counter, some quick play, um, and yeah, for me that was brilliant. And the result was put us back in the top four. So that's 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 the one good. The one bad is injuries. Is how I'm going to sum it up. That's how I'm going to get it in. Declan Rice has, uh, was was playing with his knee and trying to stretch his knee out uh, in the last 20-25 minutes of the England game against Poland. Gareth Southgate refused to sub him off. He's, he made different changes instead. He's now going to be out for a minimum of three weeks. They reckon he could be out for the rest of the season and possibly miss the Euros. So thanks to that, Gareth, you big nose bastard. Um, that, that's, that's the way I'm going to sum that up. For for a player who's not missed the last eighty seven games of football, uh, consecutive games, that's the the only reason he hasn't played um, was when he first started breaking into the team, and he he wasn't in the team every week. Uh, other than that, he's been injury free. But go away of England, oh, comes back injured, fantastic. Um, and Antonio pulled up in the thirty fifth minute or thirtieth minute, uh, another hamstring injury. He's a bit prone to them, uh, which is unfortunate. So hopefully that's not too bad because he's a big part of how we play. Um, but Bowen did come on for him and scored pretty much for the first touch of the ball so uh, and, and was good throughout. So it's, once again, injuries, which we haven't had an abundance of to key players this year. We've had lots of them, but, but luckily they've been to fringe players. It's the ban. Not just about everywhere. But we are, um, <laughs> we are in the top four, and that is making me salivate. So... The champ! Oh, yeah. 
I, I so, go on. My my follow-on questions <laughs> to you in terms of West Ham. Yes. Um, the I know we briefly spoke about it just before we come on, but the the this is the second game on the bounce now, where you've scored three and let your foot off the gas. Yep. Um, <clears throat> what sort of um, are are you worried? <laughs> By that, or do you not care as long as you're picking up the points? Um, here's the thing, right? Is we've been riding a high all season. We're, we're we're fourth with 30 games played, so we can't say it's a fluke at this point that we we are where we are. We're we're there on merit. Um, but it does worry me a little bit that we're we're throwing away these leads. Um. But we're also scoring for fun in the first 30 minutes. If we go 3-0 up and get a 3-2 every game, yes, I'm, I'll be a bit like, oh, for 60 minutes of the game. But if we walk away with three points, does it really matter? I've been yeah. saying it for years. I don't care if we win 1-0 every game. If it's a scrappy 1-0 win, I'll take it because it's, it's three points, it's a win. Um, it, it's just slightly concerning that we do seem to go 3-0 up and then just go, well, well, I'm not sure whether that's lack of experience of being one where we where we are in the Premier League, uh, and two being that many goals up that quickly. It's not something we've seen from West Ham very often, and and a lot of those players in the team won't be experienced of going out and smashing teams and going, oh, it's job done now. Where it's not, you've got to push on. So if if we play, if we could push out, pull out a performance. For 90 minutes, at the same intensity that we played the first 30 in the last two games, we would have won both of those games 5 or 6 nil easily. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I do think it maybe just be a little bit of, of lack of experience of the lofty heights of playing really, really well, if I'm honest. It's one thing being able to hold on to a one all, but it's a totally different thing being 3 nil up because you don't have to worry about making a mistake because we're 3 nil up. Mm. Um, second question uh, just in terms of Michael Antonio I think this is possibly the third or fourth hamstring injury he's had this season yes. um, <clears throat> obviously I know that you've uh, mentioned about getting reinforcements in the future in the central striker position Yes, and it's not as far as I'm aware his natural position anyway um, but firstly uh, again does this just reaffirm that West Ham need more uh, in terms of uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? More backup in terms of a quality striker in that position? Um, yes, well, he's their top goal scorer, isn't he? So you can't fault him on that, especially playing less games than a majority of the rest of the squad. I know Thomas Suchek is a close second. Um, but he's getting older. He is a big lad, um, which is why I think he's getting injured because he the physicality of his play. Um, if, I've not I've not met or spoke to a West Ham fan that doesn't like how physical he is on the pitch. He's constantly on on up and down. Um, he's hustling and bustling with players. He's he's out muscling players, uh, but that style of play is going to lead to injuries. Um, especially as he's he's getting on in age because the body doesn't recover as quickly or as well, and then when you get one, he wants he wants to be back playing. So if you're ninety five percent fit, you go yeah, I'm hundred percent because you want to be on the pitch. 
Um, and I'm sure there's lots of professionals who have done that throughout the years and then after they've retired gone, actually, I should have recovered properly and then I would have been all right. Um, I do think we need a bit of squad depth. I mean, we've got Mippo on the bench, who we bought from Manchester United, who's not really got a fair, um, a fair go at it. But he's 17. Is he... Do you want to pile that sort of pressure on a player who's played... 40 minutes of first-team football. Um, no doubt he's got the finishing quality, but actually has he got the physicality to go with it? I mean, I'll get into it a little bit more in my match preview for the Leicester game, but I do think we're going to set up slightly differently, and I think we're going to, go, we're going to play without a striker in the next game. Um, with the amount... We lack squad depth overall, really. Um, when you look at our midfield... We've got Mark Noble played. We had no midfielders on the bench. Um, we've got Connor Coventry, who should be being put on the bench, in my opinion. Playing really well um, in, in the, the under-23s or under-21s, whatever it is now. Um, but there's just an unbelievable lack of squad depth. And if we do somehow shit out a fourth place, that squad's going to need some serious investment. Um, and I think the board will be a bit too overzealous with, oh, we've got money coming in, let's just buy one big player and give it to David Moyes rather than letting him recruit well. A second part of that question, <coughs> obviously there's no no denying his ability, mm -hmm. but do you think with his, his constant injuries, because I don't think, or I can recall a season where he hasn't picked up hamstring injuries, do you reckon that's why... He hasn't been called up for England as much? Um, no, I think it's very much in the same breath as why Mark Noble hasn't been called up. Is West Ham's an undesirable club. Um, you think throughout his career, okay, now he's probably a bit past it and there is better options, but there were times through, throughout the, the, the um, years where Mark Noble should have been called up to the England squad. And he never was because actually Steven Gerrard, Frank Lampard, uh, Scalzi, they're more desirable names. They play for oh, it's Manchester United, it's Liverpool, it's Chelsea, you know, it's West Ham. When people think of West Ham, they think of grotty East End sort of geezer bloke, don't they? And I think, unfortunately, players are sort of all tarred with the same brush um, and they're, they're not given the opportunity. There's no doubt about it, he should have been in the England squad more than he has been. Um, when you look at last the end of last season, where he'd scored, he was scoring in consecutive games and was the top goal scorer after the the reboot of the Premier League. Still not in with a shout. He's playing in a team that is now top four and been challenging all season for top four, and he's their top goal scorer. Why is he mm -hmm. not in the squad? Because it's West Ham, and I do think there's an agenda about it. I really do. That's, yeah. that's as simple as that. I. I some of the some of the injuries probably will have had something to do with it along the lines of at, at points he would have been injured when he could have been called up or was eligible eligible to be called up, but I don't think that's that's the uh, the entire reason. One final question from me. <laughs> oh, go on. I'll try and answer this one uh, in a in a more direct manner. Um. Obviously, we saw Jesse Lingard come to West Ham United yes. in the January transfer window. Yes. 
when you've seen the resurgence of Jesse Lingard since he's been at West Ham. Mm -hmm. With his current form, do you think he will re-sign for you in the summer? As in, do you reckon you will try and go for him? Or do you reckon that he's proven himself to Manchester United and they will keep hold of him? Um, now, this, this, this is a difficult one. Because I said I was going to be more direct about it. Yes, I'd love for us to sign him. He's been brilliant for us. He's arguably been the best player in the Premier League since January. Um, you think in, in eight appearances, he's matched Jack Grealish's record for the season where everyone's saying Jack Grealish needs to be in the England squad. Well, he's, he's played 24 games where Lingard's played eight. So who should be in the England squad? Have that, Aston Villa fans. Me. Um, <laughs> but Manchester... West Ham are usually pretty shrewd, and we've seen it with the loan signings with an option to buy. Suchek had an option to buy. Um, Dawson's had an option to buy. Ben Rama's had an option to buy. Lingard didn't. Manchester United didn't want to let him go. So they see him as an asset, uh, and the fact that he's playing really well doesn't bode well for us. Um, they did trigger, at the beginning of the season, uh, the optional one-year extension in his contract. So initially it was like, oh, he's going to cost 15 million to pick up in the summer. And I would have gone, yeah, pay that 10 to 15 million. Not a problem. Um, now he's playing really well. They've, they've now upped their price, allegedly. They want 25 plus million. Um, and at which point I think personally, he's not getting an opportunity at Manchester United. And some people are saying, well, he's not first team quality. I think he'd get in that United squad. Especially the way he's playing. Um, I think he's playing better than Martial, better than Rashford has been. Um, so I, I, there's no doubt that he can he can do it. Um, but for a player who's got one year left in his contract, I would say to Manchester United, we'll keep him. We'll 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 sign him on a pre contract for nothing in January, you know. <laughs> I'm not we're not worried about it, we'll just wait and get him on a cheap deal. And uh, and that's sounds terrible. Um to do it like that, especially because you'd go, oh, we'll miss a year of him playing. But if they're going to be silly about it, then don't play ball with them. Hmm. It's, it's one of those, I think, they're after lots of money. And he, if he carries on in the same vein of form, he's worth lots of money, but he's only got a year left on his contract. So I, I would say 15 millions is a, is a, is a top, top, top price. For a player with one year left on their contract, you're playing any more than that, then I think you're a little bit of a mug. <laughs> Fair enough. Honest. Thank you very much. <coughs> oh, sorry. Excuse me. Right. That moves us very swiftly on to my favourite introduction of all. Um, so that one is actually Mike. <clears throat> we haven't. I don't feel that we've done this. We haven't Probably. done it the last um, couple of weeks now. <clears throat> Just just to reiterate, you might want to pull your headphones out of your ears because this is... Ah! Bloody ah! Bloody Mary! Bloody I pulled mine out. I'm quite glad I did. Um, I've added a little caveat to this section. I know we call it VAR, okay. um, or I've put in my notes, or lack thereof. Yes. Um, Lots of... I think um, I might know what you'd be referring to on this one. Well, we had Michael Oliver again, didn't we? And he was giving yellow cards out for things that weren't fouls. Um, 
He was giving handballs for things that weren't handball. And I'm not talking about the disallowed goal from Suchek, because I agree, that was handball. Um, but he was giving free kicks that weren't free kicks. Um, for example, when Neto dived into Masuaku, and they showed it on the replay, and he was going down before he'd even kicked the ball, or Masuaku had done anything, Masuaku was just standing still, and he jumped into him, and it was given as a free kick. Um, so the fact that none of these decisions were looked at by VAR leads me to believe, and we've said this before, there is an agenda in the football, because there were, there were clear fouls on the other end that were given as, no, just get up and play on. Like we had one clear penalty shout that I think should have been a penalty. VAR didn't look at it. Why? And they seem to look at everything else. Uh, but again, I think that's to do with the Premier League selling image rights and things like that. Who's more desirable? Liverpool as a big club with your Mo Salas and your Mane's or West Ham with Jared Bowen and Craig Dawson, you know? What's more marketable? Well, Liverpool, you'd have to say, is. So is that why they get lots of decisions and the Manchester United gets lots of decisions to go for them that shouldn't? And some of these other teams don't. I've not heard of many things where West Brom have got loads of decisions going for them in terms of VAR this season. It's mm. one I've heard of that, that was quite clearly just a bit of a clusterfuck, and that was that free kick. But other than that, it seems to be the big clubs that are getting the, the rub of the green. And that is very frustrating. Uh, but I will sum this whole section up for me with saying Michael Oliver should not be allowed to referee in Premier League games. He is the worst official I've seen in a long time. Fair enough. And it just it frustrates, it frustrates the hell out of me. It really does. To be honest, I don't. I don't think we could just limit to to one specific referee. I think across the board, the referees in general have been absolutely abysmal this season. Um, one of the things that I wanted to bring up was the <clears throat> Harry Maguire situation on Danny Welbeck. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, it baffles me as to how. Um, I, again, I will bring it back to this this one particular incident for for us. Where David Luiz was sent off for for the faintest of touches, yep, um, a sent off red card penalty given. We were we were fucked from from that moment on. Um, however, you get Harry Maguire, who's all over the back of Danny Welbeck, um, doesn't get blown up by the referee, goes to VAR, um, <clears throat> and it, it, the decision's not overturned. What the fuck is it there for? I, I was watching something with uh, Dermot Gallagher um, where they where they were talking through the incidents, and they even brought up the um, the the David Louise uh, scenario and said, "Well, how is this different to um, to the David Louise situation?" And it come up with some absolute bullshit. I can't. I I, I didn't. I, I didn't even want to repeat the amount of crap that come out of his mouth uh, after that. There is no consistency whatsoever. But it basically, it was like, well, he didn't feel like, um, or the referee was, um, he said he gave, I didn't feel that there was enough uh, contact. It was like they were both going for the ball, blah, 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 blah. Um, 
and then they, they said the, the VAR had a look at it. They didn't think there was anything to overrule. And I was like, I, I, it baffles me. That was a penalty, clear and obvious. Yep. And that is what it's there for. That is what they've sold this crap to us for, to say that it's to sort out any clear and obvious errors. And if that's not a clear and obvious error, I do not know what is anymore. I personally think that the Premier League should should have to rebrand because they advertise it as the best league in the world and you could say quite rightly because anyone on on any given day could be anyone so i i get that and there's a different winner every year pretty much um but i do think they should have to rebrand to say the best league with the worst officials in the world and i don't think that would be an unfair assessment I really no, don't. I completely I'm not. Agree. I'm not saying they have an easy job, but what I'm saying is, they're doing a piss poor job of not having an easy job. If they if they got eighty percent of it right, I would be a bit more forgiving with it. But they get twenty percent of it right. Um, I mean, we see in pretty much every game this 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 weekend a shirt pull in the box that denied a goal scoring opportunity that wasn't given as a penalty. Yeah, every other week in the Premier League, it's been given as a penalty and a yellow card. I, d I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it. And the worst bit about it, I mean, I know we've we've spoken before about how we would love for the officials to come out and give their um, their opinions, uh, sorry, their reasonings as to why they've made that specific decision. And also with the likes of um, the, the VAR officials. And they've they've kind of to an extent done it with this ref watch thing or whatever it is on uh, Sky Sports, um, <clears throat> but for me that is that is not giving um, the the justification what as to why those decisions have been made. That is an ex referee justifying why VAR has justified why the referee has justified that thing. So it's almost like there's there's no accountability no and i think you're 100 right there there is no accountability there and that is really fucking annoying sorry i've been swearing quite a lot today i do apologize um <laughs> wait that's what happens when you tim that's it's usually me last season that was me no uh, it's, it's just it's just been football across the board for me this season um in fact for the last two seasons i'm not i'm, I'm I may be saying this from a negative place just because of how poorly Arsenal are doing. And if we were top of the league and getting VAR decisions every week, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be complaining. Um, but for for me, just some of the decisions that were supposed to have been eradicated from the game seem to have got worse. Um, and I think the reasons as to why it has or it seems to be worse is because we do have that technology now where we can see what has happened but there's 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 something in place that should be correcting it that isn't correcting it i think you may have just hit you you just said something which has, has sprung a light bulb in my head and i think you may have hit a nail on the head there where you said eradicate right i think someone's not used spell check so <laughs> instead of it in there in their their pre-season memo it's saying eradicate bad decisions it's 
it's been written in there as exacerbate bad decisions. <laughs> so they are purposely trying to make everything worse because that's what they were told to do. Oh, it wouldn't surprise me, man. Can you imagine if it was like that simple and they're like, we're just following orders. Well, that's what they told us to do. We, we, we knew it was wrong, but no one wanted to listen. This this is this is what we we should be going through the rules the the, the FA rules with a fine tooth comb because uh, to be honest, mate, I, I would actually be quite to see some people looking at the reasons as to why VAR is um, or what they can check and all that, and I can guarantee that if you were to do it with Joe Blogs from up the road, you, me, and I don't know your dad. For example, mm. I bet all four of us would have four different interpretations of the rules. Oh, you probably and that's, you're right. And that's and that's one of the issues is that they're they're interpretations. It shouldn't be, oh, it could mean this, it could mean that. It should be this is what it is, and we're sticking. I think that VAR, the person in the VAR room, should be someone with a television screen on replay, right? That's able to do replays. So they 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 start and stop it and rewind it. And you get someone's nan in who's got no interest in football. And show her it, and depending on what her reaction is, that's what it is. Is it offside? Oh, yeah, he, he's miles away from him. Or, oh, that was a bad one, wasn't it? He's a naughty boy. Foul. You know, or he goes, oh, get up, you bugger. You know, oh, that's a dive. Uh, and that's how it should be done. There shouldn't be any more complicated. Don't overcomplicate it. Just get someone's nan in. Simples. Simples, right. Let's be a bit more upbeat. I almost got three points this week. I know I did, but we threw it away. Uh, points. What are the points? Because we, we so had an uh, England game, so we didn't have really uh, any updates on them, did we? Because we didn't, we didn't. But go on. What the points? No, the, the, the England game, just going back to that, we were quite lucky in that one as well. We were um, poor. <clears throat> But anyway, oh, uh, moving on. So last week's games, Arsenal versus Liverpool, Wolves versus West Ham. Mm -hmm. um, for the Arsenal-Liverpool game, we both thought that Arsenal would actually make something of it. Uh, and we both went for a 2-2 draw. How wrong we were. Um, so it was a 3-0 thump in some of points there. Wolves versus West Ham, you had a um, down for a 1-3, uh, I believe it was. Yep. And I had them down for a 1-2. Um, you were quite close, and he did message me at half time to say, "Can I just take the points now?" Yeah, can I cash out? <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately, not. So it's a both a point each, so one point for this week. And as the season totals, Ian, you are currently on forty six, and I am currently on forty nine. So it's still all to play for. Eight games to go. Eight mm. games to go, and and that means we've got two games this week again. Uh, we have West Ham versus Leicester, the top of the table clash, and we have Sheffield United versus Arsenal, which you could, if you really wanted to twist it, put as relegation battle. But um, <laughs> you know, just just to dig the knife in a little bit more. Yeah. Um, Cheers, mate. I don't know who kicks off first, but West West Ham. We do. All right, I shall take it. So, last time we played Leicester, Moyes was out with COVID. We started on this unbelievable run and we won 3 0. Who would have thought it against Leicester? Um, Lingard's on fire. I can see him getting on the score sheet again. Uh, the first half an hour of this game, we will be on fire, definitely. Um, I do think it will be a bit more of a struggle with Leicester coming back from um, 
a loss to Manchester City where they were made to look like a Sunday League team. Um, Noble will probably be playing again. He played really well against Wolves, but will his legs hold out? Who knows? Lack of depth in midfield, that all comes into it. Injuries. Declan Rice is out. Antonio's out. If you want a bit more of an in-depth breakdown of all this, make sure you tune into the preview that will be coming out in a few days. Um, but I do think it will be a tougher game. Um, I do think we will come away with a point. I'm going for two all because Jamie Vardy's going to have a party, but also we're going to have a blistering first half again. So two, two for me. What do you think? Um... <clears throat> So this this is a tough one for me because as uh, both well both teams are doing fairly well within the league this season. Um, I think West Ham, I'd say, were the more informed team of the two. Both can score goals, however, both have conceded uh, as well this season. Um, <clears throat> I am gonna be. I'm gonna be that guy. I'm gonna go for a Leicester. Uh, Leicester 2-1 win. Oh, okay. Okay, mister. You want to be like that just because you're not full? Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, I do think you go either way, I, I, if I'm honest with you. But that's why well, I'm going for two all. But that leads us then on to the next kickoff, which is Arsenal away to Sheffield United. Yes. So, again, the last time that we went out to 2-1 win, um, at home, I believe. Yes, we were at home the last time we played. Uh, we're away, as Ian just said, to Sheffield United, a team which I think is definitely doomed for relegation this year. Um, but with our form, we've been so inconsistent this season. Uh, this is a game that we would be expected to win. So that probably probably means that we're going to come away with a loss. Um Sheffield are fighting for their lives, even though that I, like I said, I think they are doomed for relegation. Uh, so it wouldn't actually surprise me they have scored a few goals uh, in recent weeks. <clears throat> but I would love to say that we're going to win this one, but I think it's going to be a one-all draw. Ooh, one all draw, one all draw. Mm -hmm. So I've got a, a couple of little notes here, right? And I've written four things: youngsters out. Lazy Uber, nothing to play for, 1-0 Sheffield United. That's, that, that, I think that sums it up. I, I think it's the ultimate shit out and you were going to lose. I, it, like I said, mate, it wouldn't surprise me because our waveform has been absolutely... Well, just our form in general. We've I think we've won 12, drawn 6, lost 12. That has been our record this season. It's been absolute shit. Um, the goals were coming at some points, but there was no fight back at all against Liverpool. We've been we were dog poo against uh, West Ham for the first half. Um, but again, it's it's a very sad state of affairs when you are relying, not saying that they're bad players, but when you're relying on uh, your your youth players just breaking through into the first team to, to turn your team around i think is a very sad state of affairs you've got kieran Tini that's now out for an injury david louise is going to be out for a couple of weeks bakaya saka we don't know when he's going to be back from his injury emil smith rowe injured on international duty could be out for a couple of weeks so we're having to rely on the 
the dross that we've that we've got. Which Abamyang's just not been on form. Um, yeah. On paper, I'll, I'll be very surprised. On paper, it's a stronger squad, isn't it? But there's just a, a complete lack of desire. Yeah, is is what I'd put it down to. I really would, and it's lovely to see. <laughs> to be honest, I, think, I, um, I think I think one of the things that we're obviously because I, I said it a couple of weeks ago in terms of our European positions, um, there's there's not much left to play for. Uh, other than the Europa League, we're definitely at making top top six, let alone top eight um, this season for um, any chance of Europe. So all of our eggs are going in one basket in terms of the uh, the Europa League now. So we may see uh, a heavily rotated squad from the, for the game on Sunday, depending on who plays in Europe on Thursday. So fair enough. The 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 thing I looked at the other day. And this was including the Wolves fixture. I looked, looked at all our remaining fixtures and I was like, I reckon we could get 15 points from these. Um, and I I hope that that will be enough to secure top four. I don't know if it will, and it will be much harder when now Declan Rice is out and Antonio's out. We did get Masuaku back. That was good. Looked a bit unsharp. But uh, or not match sharp, but he, he did a couple of good things. Um, so that's that is a bonus, I suppose. Um, but do you think fifteen points for West Ham is enough? Or now we've won against Wolves. Do you think another twelve points is enough for West Ham to secure a top four? I would hope so. I I would love to see West Ham in the top four. I think the Champions League next year. Obviously, if you do make fourth spot you will have to qualify the for the Champions League. Um or you'd have to play the, the the prelim to get into the Champions League proper, wouldn't you? So um but and we'll go out to Becky Starney United. Or AstraZeneca. <laughs> to AstraZeneca. No, um I I would honestly I would genuinely love to see West Ham in the Champions League. Uh, realistically, I think it's going to be Europa League for, for West Ham next year. Um, I'd love to be proved wrong. Oh. Uh, but there's 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 nothing... With with the way that you guys have been playing this season, there is no... Um, it's, it's not unrealistic for you to, to, to hear that full spot. No, especially with eight games to go and we're in full, you can't say it's, it wouldn't be deserved. And if we... Mm -hmm. if we did get fourth spot. Has David Moyes got to be manager of the season? Regardless of what, what anyone else has done. If yes. Even if Man City win a quadruple, I still think David Moyes would have to be manager of the season. Yep. Uh, or manager of the year, whatever the award is. And that, that is solely based on if Pep was given the West Ham squad, could he lead him to a fourth place spot? No, he couldn't. I think he's had to spend you... how many billions to get to a quarter-final of a Champions, Champions League. I know I know. this is... Um, or the season's not over yet, but in, in terms of the League Cup, Spurs could potentially disrupt that, uh, the Manchester City on that. I doubt it. It's, it's <clears throat> certainly over recent seasons, it's been Manchester City's Cup, isn't it? So it would be a massive upset to see Jose... Um, lift the league up. I'm not saying it's an impossibility because I know what uh, my luck's like. I say it's it's an impossibility, and it, it comes back and bites me in the ass. But 
Um, when is the League Cup final? I, I genuinely, without looking, would have no idea. Because it would have normally have been played by now, wouldn't it? It's usually like yeah. February that it's played. Yeah, I think because, again, because of the fixture, fixture congestion um, and also <clears throat> with the international breaks as well. It may even be in a couple of weeks, unless they're pushing it back to the end of the season, depending on who gets to the FA Cup final. Yeah, I don't know. But no, I, th- I do think that's one that we definitely need to uh, to add on the points, especially if I'm still behind. We need to predict them. Um, have you got anything else to add to this week's football? Uh, only that Arsenal, you need to buck your fucking ideas up because another performance like that, you are going to lose a lot of fans. I think next week you're going to be even angrier than you were this week. <laughs> uh, I am going to get some popcorn. Just to celebrate and wind you up. <laughs> I, t- I think part of me thinks it's, it's brilliant because now you know how I felt for the last. 28 years. <laughs> um, I think the only thing that could possibly make your season worse is when you lose 1-0 to Sheffield um, next weekend, you sack Arteta bringing Avram Grum. To be honest, mate, like I said, um, I know you um, you sent a message out on the, uh, the group chat the other day about hashtag Arteta out, and I know you were trying to get a reaction However, oh yeah, I was just winding up. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I genuinely don't think. From looking at the the end of the Wenger era to looking at Unai Emery, um, Freddie Jumberg, I know he was only in for a couple of games, uh, and Mikel Arteta, I genuinely don't think the managers are the issue. I think it's the the will and the desire of the players, and some players need a fucking reality check. Um, like <clears throat> like I said, it's. Excuse me. It's not an impossibility that some of these players thrive on having the fans in in the stadiums. So come next season, when we start to see more people back into the stadiums, fingers crossed, that we could see a different Arsenal team. Uh, Because I I was watching an an interview uh, with Lacazette and Aubameyang a couple of weeks ago, um, and they were just talking about some of some of the goals they've scored where they rank them but one of the questions that was asked was do you miss the fans and both of them without hesitation were like massively massively because i I suppose it's very difficult for players to to kind of g themselves up for a big occasion i know they're still getting their paycheck at the so they need to do it regardless but i I would imagine it's just the adrenaline buzz yeah, I, of having the the fans behind you that 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 they're missing, which is possibly why the season's been so higgledy piggledy. Yeah, I, I I do understand that 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 some people thrive in the moment and others don't. Um, but for for example, let's let's take Abamyang, who's arguably been your one of your worst performers this year, as is William. Are both on big money, three hundred k a week. If you can't get yourself G'd up enough for 300k a week, then you shouldn't be playing football. Because you, you should be able to get yourself G'd up on, I get to play football for a living. This is my job. This is not a real job. Mm-hmm. But I get to do having a laugh with mates four days a week, five days a week training. Yes, it's a little bit of hard work. 
yes, I, I can't have a pizza every other week. But, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, how many people would kill for that opportunity and go, oh, no, I'd do it for free? Like, I don't... <laughs> the fact that you're getting paid silly money, money that you wouldn't get in any other job, to do that, and you can't get yourself G'd up for it, for me, mm. it's not an excuse. I, I agree. I, I understand, obviously, some people go, yeah, and, and can produce better when someone's cheering them on, but... If you can't produce when they're not cheering you on, uh, it, this performance, it, it, your performances now—they both missed the crowd. I bet they wouldn't. He performs like that; he's getting booed off the pitch. Xhaka mm. put in one bad performance, didn't he? Booed off the pitch by Arsenal fans. Aubameyang stealing a living—he would be absolutely massacred if you had mm. fans in the stadium at the minute. He would not. He would go. Oh, can we go back to not having them? Can I go and cough on a few people so we can get them out? Um, I just, I, I do, I do think Arsenal has become a retirement club. They've, they've, they've made mistake after mistake, and they've gone big player, big player, end of their career, big money. Okay, retirement. I think that's your biggest problem. Mm. If he, if he was on three hundred grand a week, but two hundred and fifty thousand of that was, you need to score. Uh, thirty goals a season. He would have scored thirty goals a season by January. Yeah, because actually, I ain't, I can't live on fifty grand a week. My uh, my lifestyle is more love, uh, lavish than that. But mm-hmm. I don't think I think it's more of I oh, will pay you two hundred and seventy a week, and you can get a goal bonus if you score. We'll give you a couple of extra grand. Uh, actually, it don't matter, does it? Mm-hmm. Got two hundred seventy grand a week, regardless. I'm just gonna sit here and finger my bum hole. <laughs> Which I'm sure exactly what he was saying. Well, I think it. I think it was when he uh, he made that haircut. He was like, mm, it's, mm. "I want to match down the hair down there." <laughs> what uh, that anyway. shit. Right. On that sour note, <laughs> let's be a bit more positive. Make sure you subscribe. We've got some match predictions coming out this week, and I finished my cycling. Yes, you did. So there is a video out on that. The last 100. John O'Groats to Land's End, if you search it on YouTube. Um, it's, it'll be in uh, the link tree thing down below for my other channel. Uh, that's, there's not much on this, just that really. And a drone footage when it was snowing. Um, but until then, I have been Ian. I've been Mike. Uh, we are FDTTV. And we will try not to be so grumpy next week. <laughs> See you later, guys. Bye-bye.